29 AD, there was one about to change the world. Fully man, fully God, Jesus. Next to him was a friend who witnessed everything. He saw early miracles. He sat at his right hand. His own eyes saw Jesus transfigured. The very heart of Christ was poured out to him, and he was there at the cross on the day history was altered. These are the words and the story of John. Bertier, the only All-American you got on this team. You want any of us to play for you? You reserve half the open positions for Hammond players. Half the offense, half the special teams. We don't need any of your people on defense. We're already set. Uh-huh. Don't need none of my people. Mm-hmm. What you say your name was uh, Jerry? Gary. No, you must have said Jerry like Lewis, which would make you Dean Martin, right? Ladies and gentlemen, got an announcement to make. We got... Jerry Lewis and Dean Martin going to camp with us here this year. Jerry tells the jokes, Dean sings the songs, and gets the girl. Let's give him a round of applause. Where's your folks, Gary? Parents, are they here? Where are they? That's my mother. That's your mama? Mm-hmm. Very nice, I want you. Take a good look at it. Because once you get on that bus, you ain't got no mama no more. You got your brothers on the team, and you got your daddy. Now, you know who your daddy is, don't you? Gary, if you want to play on this football team, you answer me when I ask you, who is your daddy? Who's your daddy, Gary? Who's your daddy? You. Uh-huh. And whose team is this? Is this your team? Or is this your daddy's team? Yours. Mm-hmm. Get on the bus. Put your jacket on first. And get on the bus. Uh, Dean? Fix that tie, son. Truly one of my favorite movies of all times. It's a great movie. It's a great storyline. And that is one of the classic scenes in this movie. And... That scene in Remember the Titans makes me laugh, but it also makes me think. Bertier was absolutely determined to keep black players and coaches from taking over his team. And he truly believed, because he was the best player on the team, that it was his team, and he was going to call the shots. But what was actually going on, what was controlling his thinking, was the hatred of his mother that came from her hatred of black people and her anger that her husband was gone. And Bertier fought Coach Boone for a while until he broke him. And Coach Boone finally changed that young boy. He changed his beliefs, and he changed his values. And Bertier ended up becoming a happy young man filled with love and a desire to know his black brothers. And they ended up winning the state championship because they came together. Tonight's story asks the same question. Who's your daddy? After long arguments with the Pharisees, Jesus identified the root cause of their lying and their desire to kill him. He stated that their father was at the core of how they thought, felt, and behaved, and their father was the devil. Jesus makes it really clear. We either live by the works of the devil or the words of Jesus. There's no middle ground. The devil is the prince of this world, and if we live following the world, 
We're going to be spiritually dead in our natural state as sons of that devil. If we live by the words of Jesus, we're spiritually alive, able to live our physical life free from sinful bondage and free to live as eternal sons of God. I'm praying tonight that you will have a greater awareness of who is actually controlling your behavior. And Jesus will increase your passion to help him destroy the works of the devil. Guys, let's pray. This one's going to be hard. And he's going to fight. Heavenly Father, we need you right now, Lord. We need you now. Holy Spirit, come into this room. We're talking about your adversary. We're talking about you, the devil. Jesus, help us fight him right now. We can't do this alone. We need your power, your spirit, your strength. And Lord, we know he's defeated, but he's still working, Lord. And we need you, Father. Fill this place with your Holy Spirit, Lord. Lord, tonight, turn those phones off and turn our ears on so we can hear you speak. Lord, don't let me get in your way in any way. Be with us, Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen. Jesus identified the source of disbelief in the Pharisees, and they were, in fact, following their father, the devil. And yet we know the devil didn't birth those men, so why does Jesus use fatherhood as his analogy? It's because fathers have a very significant impact on the thinking, feeling, and behaviors of their kids. For better or for worse, children, and especially men as adults, often reflect a great deal of what came or didn't come from their fathers. Fathers can work with God to help lead their children to Jesus, help them to develop loving, special, good, bonding relationships, and help them build strong, vibrant families. Or fathers can have an equally destructive power that can leave their sons feeling abandoned, ignored, defeated, confused, and ultimately left to be raised by this world. Jesus used this analogy because he could see the father-like influence the devil was exerting over these men, the very men God had chosen to lead his country. To which family did your father lead you? Jesus is very clear that the devil exists. In the Bible, he calls him Satan, the one who snatches away sin. He calls him the evil one who sows weed in the wheat. He says there's an eternal fire for the devil and his angels. He describes Satan wanting to sift Peter. And Jesus asked God to deliver us from that evil one. Jesus is crystal clear, you guys, that he believes the devil is, exists. He's real, and he's actively destroying the works of God. He is not powerless. In Ezekiel 28, we learn Satan was an extremely wise, handsome guardian angel created by God who was adorned in jewels. In Isaiah 14, we learned he was cast down from heaven to earth because he wanted to raise his throne above God's throne. And in Revelation 21, 7 through 9, we are told that in heaven, Satan and his angels fought with Michael and his angels. And Satan, the great dragon, and his angels were hurled to the earth. And to this day, they lead us astray. In Job, we learn that Satan had access to God and asked God to take away all Job's possessions and his family in hopes that he would turn away from God. And in John 8, we're told the devil was a liar from the beginning. Right at the start, his native language is lying and he's a murderer. In 2 Corinthians, Paul describes Satan as being disguised as an angel of light. 
The apostle James said, if we resist the devil, he will flee. But he doesn't say he's not there. In 1 Peter 5, we're told the devil roams the earth looking for people to devour. That doesn't sound like a powerless nothing. All these men who we deeply admire and who we follow continuously in the New Testament all say that this devil is real and he's got serious power, which we need to be keenly aware of. The devil came to destroy God's greatest creation, and that's us. We are made in the image of Jesus. He's called the Son of Man. Satan is constantly working to destroy all of mankind and to oppose all that Jesus is here to accomplish. And that effort and that force is being led by Satan and managed by millions of fallen angels who are actively around us to this moment. They're powerful. They're actively attacking you and they're attacking your family. On Saturday night, just this last Saturday night, I had a vivid dream at about two in the morning. I woke up out of a dead sleep because I was dreaming of this picture. I had gone into my closet to get a new shirt. I reached in and I jumped back because in the middle of a brand new shirt hanging in the closet was a snake alive and coiled up sitting in the top of the shirt. It scared me to death and it woke me up. You know what I'd been doing all day? Writing this lecture. I'd been reading all day about the devil. I'd read volumes of information, just poured my heart into understanding who he was and how he was. And I don't dream about snakes. I'm not scared of snakes. I don't care about snakes. I don't own snakes. I don't know anything about snakes. There was nothing in Amazon that knew I was looking at snakes. There was no Google search that could talk to my head. Dude, if you don't think Satan's real, what do you think that was? I don't think that was a coincidence that I dreamed about a snake and it scared the tar out of me. What keeps you ignoring the reality of the devil and his power to influence you? Let me briefly describe some of his key works because these are what Jesus came to destroy. His first goal is to keep people away from Jesus. Satan hates God and wants his greatest creation to die apart from God. 2 Corinthians 4 says the devil has blinded unbelievers to keep them from seeing the light of the gospel of Christ. He's blinded them. In 2 Corinthians 11, Paul says Satan uses people, listen to this, inside the church dressed as angels of light to pull believers away from Jesus inside the church. In Mark 4, we read that Satan snatches the very word of God the minute it's spoken from the hearts and minds of people that are supposed to receive it. Satan has been very successful keeping people away from Jesus for over 2,000 years. And how do I know? Because only one-third of the planet believes in Jesus Christ. Satan is constantly tearing families apart. Adam and Eve were tempted by the devil, and they failed miserably. Their son Cain killed their other son Abel soon after Adam and Eve began fighting over who failed God and why. Broken marriages are the number one source of men leaving Jesus or never coming to him at all. Guys, marriages are falling apart in our country and have been for decades. Listen to this. Your lack of interest in your wife, your lusting heart, and ignoring the covenant vows you made the day you got married actively supports the work of the devil. Men, your marriage is key to the salvation of your children. Therefore, your marriage is under constant attack. Make no mistake. What attacks can you identify right now? And if you can't identify any, 
you might have your eyes closed. Another key form of attack is to cause men to be afraid. The fear is his single greatest weapon in his arsenal, fear. This is what he uses on most men. Fear comes from the devil, not God. It originates in lies and false accusations that we believe. Satan means accuser. He makes false accusations. And he often speaks, speaks those over you when? In the early morning. Two, three in the morning. That's when he does most of his work. He simply repeats your failures to keep you afraid, doesn't he? He just tells you them while you're sleeping, and you replay them in your head, and that keeps you afraid. And what does fear drive us to do? To lie, to cheat, to steal, to gossip, to take control, to do whatever we can to feel better about ourselves. Guys, God is love, and fear is the devil. That's the difference. God is love, and fear is the devil. When you let fear control you, the devil is like your father. So if you're sitting here right now feeling fear, it did not come from God. It is from the devil, and he is in you hard, and you are following the father of, of hate and fear, and that's the devil. So when you say, who's your daddy, and you say, it's Jesus, but you're scared to death right now, I beg to differ. You ain't listening to your daddy, Jesus. Fear comes from believing those lies that the devil's telling you. Love, the opposite of fear, comes from trusting Jesus, trusting him. What fear do you wake up with this morning? What did it? When you think about this morning, which fear did you wake up with? The devil also tries to make God's creation your source of happiness. Beautiful women, cars, homes, vacations, clothes, food, all gifts from God, all good all meant to draw us back to God. He made those things lovely so we would enjoy them and say, thank you, God. The devil, on the other hand, makes you think you need those to be happy. And therein lies the thin line. That small deception from the devil changes everything. Just that one little tweak where he says, praising God and lusting for more determines which follow you follow. It's a fine line, isn't it? God, I love that. Man, I love that. And then, and then the next moment you're going, oh, I got to have more of that. And you start pursuing. He's like, yep, just that little nudge is all it takes. Think about this example, completely different concept. When you buy goods from China, you are helping build one of the most powerful forces in the world that opposes Jesus. China is creating the largest army that's ever been existence in the world. And it's being led by one man who hates Jesus, and he persecutes Christians constantly. When you buy Chinese goods, you're funding that army. Think about that. Your need and your passion and your lust and your desire for more stuff, more stuff, more stuff can actually cause you to be funding an army that's built by a man that absolutely hates Jesus Christ and is doing everything in his power to stop that. That's the kind of thing that the devil does when you start wanting more. How are you allowing your need for more to propagate the works of the devil? The devil also tries to make, uh, to make you think having control is a source of security. For men, controlling women for sex 
and controlling people through some sort of governance or leadership gives us a deep sense of power and worth. And God did give us that power to lead in both of those areas. He did. But the devil corrupts our thinking about it by giving us a very subtle idea that we're entitled to the fruit that comes from being in control. That's the lie. For example, which guy who's married doesn't think he's entitled to sex? I haven't met too many married men that don't think they're entitled to sex from their wife. Entitled thinking causes us to exploit our power over the people God gave us to serve. Corrupt systems of governance and exploitation of women and children are frequently at the hands of men. We allow our entitled desires to be what controls our behavior, and that's the devil controlling us. How do you exploit women for sex and control other people in your life for personal gain? The devil's also actively convincing the world that sexual liberty is true freedom. I'm telling you guys, this is the watershed of our church right now. Great God-created marriage, not man. This is God's institution. He defines its purpose and how it will best function. God said marriage was between a man and a woman, and the two shall become one, which means sexuality is to be between a man and a woman. God wanted them to have children that learn to love him through the security of a healthy, loving family. Nowhere in God's word do we find sexual liberty defined the way the world is selling it today. Not anywhere. For men and women to, do whatever, to be whatever sex they want to be, to have sex with whoever they want, and whenever they want it, they have to. They must deny the absolute authority of God. It's imperative they do or they can't live that lifestyle. In Romans 1, Paul said, Therefore, God gave them over in the sinful desires of their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. They exchanged, listen to this, they exchanged the truth of God for a lie and worship created things instead of the creator. All lies come from the father of lies, the devil. The lie is, here's the lie, sexual liberty is loving and tolerant. This is the lie. The devil's using this lie to propagate sexual liberty across the globe to tear men and women from God. Sexual liberty leads to divorce, abortion, broken families, suicide, depression, and destroyed churches. Those results help you know it all comes from the devil. So you got to ask the hard question, what sexual liberty are you protecting under the lie of being tolerant? Lastly, the devil is disguising all media as free speech. Television programming launched in the United States in 1927, and by 1954, 98% of Americans had televisions in their home. The iPhone was launched in 2007, and today over 85% Americans own a smartphone. So if you really think about it, in less than 50 years, the, the media that we have access to has exploded into America. In less than 50 years, and it's dramatically changed the landscape of this country. And so the question is, during that same time frame, has America drawn closer to Jesus or moved away from him? Well, let me give you some numbers. 
The United States went from 9% of people that want nothing to do with God in that time frame, early in that time frame, in the early 20s, to now almost a third of the United States wants nothing to do with God. And also in that same time frame, the number of Protestant Christians dropped from 50% to 30% and it's declining at a faster rate now. So from those data, it's quite clear the media has in fact not helped the U.S. draw closer to Jesus at all. It's therefore easy to conclude that the devil, by and large, owns the media and uses it to fill your head with everything that opposes Jesus. And the lie that we believe is that media is critical to free speech, which of course can't hurt anybody, right? I find it ironic. Will Smith goes on stage and slaps Chris Rock for insulting his wife. The media makes a lot of money selling violence and hate-filled speech. Yet they can't see how the devil controls them, even as they try to convince us that their movies have no impact on the character and behavior of Americans. And we see one of their icons get up and behave exactly the way their movies portray them to be. Isn't that ironic? How confident are you that the media that is a significant part of your daily routine is not being managed by people who actually hate Jesus? You might want to research it because it might shock you. John wrote on his, in his first epistle that Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. And the Bible reveals three parts to this plan. First, Jesus came to the fight, guys. Jesus came to this fight. He didn't stay in heaven. All four gospels declare his birth, death, and resurrection were, in fact, the first step to crush the works of the devil. Jesus was the only sacrifice sufficient to make us right with God. And Jesus also, through his resurrection, defeated death, which destroys the ultimate power of the devil. Second, God needs people to be born again. When people believe in Jesus, this deeply thwarts the propagation of the works of the devil. When we're born again, the Spirit of God invades our heart, our mind, and our soul, and it makes it clear when we're propagating the works of the devil. We can see it, and then we have to ask God to show us, show me how I'm doing this, Lord. And then we have to accept what we see. Confess it, bring it into the light, let others see it, and then turn away from that behavior. And then we've got to learn to resist the temptation of the devil in every one of these areas where we see him attack us. And lastly, we've got to become men that pray, read our Bibles, and become part of a local church. Those activities are critical. They're crucial to helping us have clear discernment about the voice of the devil and how to practice resisting the devil taking thoughts captive and making obedient to Christ. While God has allowed the devil to remain in place for a time so that the hearts of true unbelievers can be exposed, did you catch that? You're like, why is the devil still here? I'll say it again. God has allowed the devil to remain in place for a time so the hearts of true unbelievers can be exposed. That's why he's still here. But that ends because the last step God has planned is to destroy the works of the devil by sending Jesus back. And he's coming soon to take on the devil, put him in his final resting place, and bring heaven and earth back to the place where Jesus is Lord, and this place is free of sin and the destruction of the devil. And Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. He has hired you. You guys are on the team. He's hired you. He's empowered you to be part of the demolition. It's demo time. He didn't hire you to destroy your marriage or your family or your neighbors. 
He didn't give you power to exploit women and children. He gave you power to defeat the sin in your life and to help other people defeat the sin in theirs as well. He didn't give you the Holy Spirit for personal enjoyment and to make your life easier. He gave you the Holy Spirit to fill you with the fruit that comes from the Spirit. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. And that fruit was meant to be shared with all those who don't know Jesus so they'll come to know him. The battle is not won when you explode with anger, verbal attacks, and physical violence. That's not how this battle gets fought by Christian men. It's one when the fruit of God's spirit pours out of you. You need to decide if you're going to follow your daddy Jesus and destroy the works of the devil, or will you live struggling with your sin and continue to propagate the works of the devil? You have been given this light so you can see your sin and to set it aside and be free from it, and you've been given this light to set other people free. Here's the play. Tomorrow I'm recommending you do this. First, when you wake up at 3 a.m. and you feel afraid, get out of bed. Don't stay in bed. Get out of bed. Go to a room. Turn a light on. Don't wake somebody else up with the light. Stand up. Stand up and say this out loud. Devil, you are not my daddy. Jesus, you are my father, and I am not going to be afraid. Take that thought, stinking captive. Then second, you get up tomorrow and commit. For the whole day, you'll stop using your eyes to lust after women and your next purchase. Commit to this, guys. Third, work on your willpower to resist by not doing something you really want to do. Work on your ability to resist. We're told, right? James said, if you resist the devil, he will flee. So work on your power to resist. Don't eat the cookie. Don't look at the hot chick. Don't take the second look either. Don't buy something that you've been thinking about buying all week. Stop. Stop. By practicing resistance, you can start to gain confidence. You can resist in all areas where the devil's tempting you to lead. Let that confidence help you resist one thing that you're going to hear in your head tomorrow. And this is what I hear most often from guys. When you hear this, man, I'm not good enough. You resist by saying, Devil, I know that you, and speak it out loud. He can't read your mind. Get out of my head. Jesus is my daddy, and he says, I am good enough. You go to hell where you belong. Amen. Amen. You talk to him. You give it to him straight, right? Fight back. Resist that stinker. Tomorrow, I pray, you'll open your eyes to the works of the devil and start demolishing what he tries to use to separate us from Jesus. Guys, get some fight in you now. Now it's time to get up. You've got the power. You've got everything you need to do this. This is not the time to be weak and wallow in it. Jesus said, no, get up, stand up, arise, and fight this guy because we're going to win. We've got him. He's on the run, but you got to get in the fight. You can't stay in sin mode. You got to stay in fight mode. It's time to get up and go. Guys, let's all stand up. We're going to finish by answering one question. I think you know what it is. And I think you know the answer. So I'd like to hear it. I'd like to hear it as if you mean it. Ready? Who's your daddy? Jesus. Amen. That's right, man. Who's your daddy? Jesus. 
That's it. That's our daddy, you guys. Let's close with prayer. Heavenly Father, you are our daddy, Jesus. And we're not following you anymore, Satan. Be gone. You're out. You're done. This group of men is finished with you. We'll have no more of you. We're asking now, Jesus, do you give us liberty from this stuff? Free us from bondage, Lord. Help us walk in the light, Lord. If there's men in this room right now that need to confess that and come forward and be free of this bondage, free them now. Free them now, Lord. Lord, help no man leave this room feeling like he's trapped in fear or bondage. Free and liberate these men from fear and sin. Lord, help these guys leave clean tonight, Jesus. Lord, we want to follow you. You are our daddy. Draw us to you. In your name we pray. Amen. Guys, have a great night. Be free this week, all right?